Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renew Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. Good morning. Hey, there we are. Let's go. Good morning, guys. Welcome to Renew Church. My name is Pastor Mikey, and man, I'm excited to be here with you guys, be able to preach a message, man. I think it's going to be cool. So let's get into it, man. Who's excited for the Christmas season? That's right. Awesome. And look at this place, man. This place looks unbelievable, right? I think we should just kind of keep it like this forever, right? Probably not, though, because then every Christmas we want that kind of, you know, that it's Christmas time, you know what I'm saying? But there's a lot of things that we are waiting for when it comes to Christmas, right? That anticipation. It only comes once a year, and we start doing certain traditions and enjoying certain things. So let me ask you guys, what, what are you guys waiting for this Christmas season? What are some of the things that you're waiting for? You can just shout it out. Family? Family for sure. Family time? Yeah. Anybody else? Christmas. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Parents, probably not so much, but yeah. What else? What else? Jesus' birthday. Happy birthday, Jesus. All right. So I'll tell you guys what I'm waiting for. This is what I'm waiting for. Lechon. There are few things greater than fried, crunchy pork skin. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. The Lord is good. But that's what I'm waiting for. I typically don't have it that often throughout the year. Christmas time is that time where, you know, family members are, are doing Noche Buena. We get to have pork and hang out with each other. There's just so many things to look forward to in this Christmas time, right? Because it only comes once a year. And so maybe you're looking forward to the presents, right? Maybe you're looking forward to baking Christmas cookies, um, watching Christmas movies, right? Um, listening to Mi Burrito Sabanero without getting judged, right? Like... <laughs> because it's the appropriate time to actually listen to it. Is that a Christmas classic or not? You would agree? Good, good, because um, my good friend, and he serves here, maybe you've seen him, Carlos Nieves. I was in the car with him the other day, and a song came on my playlist because it's Christmas time, and that's what happens, you know, Christmas songs come on. And he kind of judged me for it. But we all understand that Mi Burrito Sabanero is a Christmas classic, am I right? So please be in prayer for Brother Carlos, because he needs some Christmas deliverance. All right. <laughs> but on the topic of Christmas, let me ask you guys something. Have any of you guys actually ever gotten coal on Christmas morning? Like, has anyone actually ever done that like, or received that? No, probably not, right? And why would somebody receive coal? Because they were naughty, right? They were behaving bad, right? We, we understood that coal was a consequence, right? And my parents would use it often, right? Like, oi, Santa's watching. And it would make me think. I'd be like, bro, I do not want to screw this up this year. Like, I want, I want some gifts. Maybe I shouldn't do that or this. I understood that coal was a consequence for doing things that I shouldn't, right? For being disobedient to my parents. And consequences are a good thing, Right? They make you think before you act, right? They help you realize that you were wrong, right? Like, oh, man, I probably shouldn't have done that. Like, consequences are good. 
there were consequences when I would talk back to my mom. You hear what I'm saying? Like, consequences are good. I shouldn't have talked back to my mom. Any moms in the house want to testify to that? There it is. There it is. So consequences are good, right? But if we're honest, we don't always like having to deal with consequences, right? And so where am I going with this? Christmas time, I'm sure you've heard, you know, the Christmas story of Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus. I'm sure we're all familiar, have heard it, or at least seen a nativity set or something. We, we're familiar with that concept. But today, we're going to kind of pause a little bit and ask the question, why? Why do we remember the birth? Why did Jesus even have to be born? What's the significance of it? Why? The answer to that is simple, but it opens up a lot more other questions. And so to answer why Jesus had to be born, well, Jesus had to be born because in the words of the prophet Drake, it was God's plan. I'm just kidding. Drake's not a prophet. He's hardly a rapper. So it's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke, guys. Come on. But it was God's plan, for real. Jesus' birth, him being born, it was a part of God's plan. But what plan? Why did God have a plan? Why did there need to be a plan? And that's what we're going to be digging into today. And to do that, we got to go back to the beginning. So to paint the picture for you guys, we're going to be in Genesis, the beginning of the world, right? God just created everything. Everything is, is great. It's perfect. It's, it's, it's awesome, right? Animals and humans are living in harmony. There's no pain. There's no suffering. There's an abundant amount of food. And, like, everything is going perfect, just like God desired. And to paint the picture a little bit more for you guys, is anyone here a fan of Disney World? Yes. You guys like Disney World. It's, you know, the happiest place on earth. And it gets even better when you get that fast pass, right? Like you're just zooming, doing everything. Well, imagine if the whole world was Disney World with a fast pass. Like that's what God had intended for us. That's what Adam and Eve got to enjoy, right, in the very beginning of creation. So we're going to be checking in on Adam and Eve. And again, perfect world. God's like, hey, go ahead and enjoy this. It's for you. I created it. I created you. Go ahead and enjoy this perfect world. Just do not do this one thing, right? He said, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat the fruit from that tree. If you obey and don't do that, everything's fine. You can enjoy this world without suffering, without pain, without, it's perfect. Disney World, you can enjoy it. Just don't do that one thing. So let's check in. Uh, chapter three, verse one. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? So we'll stop there. So the serpent is the devil, Satan himself, right? And in this interaction with Eve, we'll see his whole MO, like what he's all about. In that first conversation, you can see that He's trying to get humans, mankind, to question God, right? He asked a very stupid question. Did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any? God didn't say that. He said one tree. 
So he's already trying to get humans to question God, and he's twisting God's words to mean something that he didn't say, right? Again, that's his whole MO, so keep that in mind as we continue reading. Genesis uh, verse 2. Of course we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said that you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the servant replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So we'll stop there. So Satan doubles down on questioning God, right? Like we see Eve kind of defend God a little bit. She's like, hey, no, he didn't say that we can't eat from any of them. He just said this, just one specific one. And you can see that Satan is continuing to twist God's words because he's like, hey, man, but like if you eat this thing, you're going to be like God, right? Like what he does is he almost, he gives her a half truth because there's some truth in what he's saying. If they were to eat from that fruit, they would be like God in knowing good and evil, but he doesn't mention that they would know that because they just did something evil. You see what I'm saying? It's a half truth. And then he just flat out lies when he says that you won't die. Because if God says that something will happen, something will happen. He's a man of his word. If he says that there's going to be consequences, there will be consequences. So he just flat out lies on God there. And now Eve finds herself in a position where she's considering all of this, right? She's like, I literally didn't exist like a day ago. This God created everything. It's, it's, it's amazing. This is, this is beautiful. He said to not do this one thing, and this serpent is making a pretty good case as to why I should disobey. Hmm. Is God afraid that if I eat this, I will be like him? Is he threatened by me? Or is he really just looking out for my best interest? She's having to wrestle with these things, right? And so let's see how that shapes out. Verse 6. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. She bought into the lie, right? And later in Scripture, Satan is referred to as the father of lies. It's just it's what he does. And she fell for the lie, the temptation for her to be like God like the very thing that created her and gave her life when it didn't have to, she figured, oh, you know what, maybe I want to turn the tables and be like him or be equal to him. And here's the thing. It looked delicious. So in her mind, it made sense. She's like, I mean, this guy's making a pretty good case. Maybe God's threatened by me. Maybe he knows that if we eat this, we're going to be like him. We're going to be equal to him, and we can kind of run things around here. And, man, I mean, look at it. It's beautiful. I mean, look, it's a, it's a beautiful tree. It's got these delicious-looking fruit from it. This is probably the right thing for me to do. And oftentimes, if we're honest in our own lives, disobedience is attractive. Let's just be real. 
doing what you're not supposed to do looks attractive. But as we'll find out with Adam and Eve, nonetheless, there's consequences. Can't avoid that. And so we see that with them. It says there that they immediately felt shame. Immediately. Eat the fruit, they feel shame. And like, you got to think about it. In, in this time, when God created everything, like there was, there was no shame. Like being naked wasn't a big deal because there was nothing to be embarrassed about. There were like no shame, no conscience, no, no like, no none of that, no self-doubt. It, it was just nothing. You were just happy to be alive and you enjoyed God's creation. And the second they choose to disobey God, they're now freaking out, self-conscious. They're like, why do you have a crack on your butt? Like what, like, what are we doing? Like, they're just like freaking out. They're like covering themselves up. Like it's, they're freaking out, Right? Yes, I said, but. So again, put yourself in their shoes. The shame that they're feeling. They literally didn't exist a day ago. They've got everything perfect. Don't do this one thing. They do it, and they're like, ah, that sucks. We just did the one thing. There's going to be consequence. Like, they knew it. Whatever, the, whatever Satan was propping up to them, the second they did it, they knew, nah, that was not it, bro. Like, that was not what we were supposed to do. So let's see where this takes them. Verse 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord called to the man, where are you? So check this out. Check out how shame can make you do some questionable things. These two thought that it would be a great idea for them to hide from God. I'm going to say it again. They thought it was a good idea to try to hide from the creator of the universe. Like, what? Huh? Like, he created life, he created existence, but he's not going to see you behind this fig leaf camo? Like, I don't, what? Like, are you seeing how ridiculous this sounds? And God says, where are you? Do you guys think that God didn't know where they were? Of course he knew where they were. But he's asking to see if Adam would respond, Right? And so let's see how this goes. Verse 10. He replied, I heard you walking in the garden. This is Adam. He says, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? So we'll stop right there. Let's be honest for a second in this room. Let's be like real, for real. Have any of you ever made a mistake and then blamed it on something or somebody else? You know what I'm saying, right? Like, like you're late to the function or the meeting or whatever because you didn't wake up on time. And you're getting there and you're saying, they're saying, hey, why are you late? You're like, no, the, the traffic, if, if this idiot didn't crash his car, I would have never. And no, I mean, my kid was doing this. And you don't, you don't understand. Like, No. You didn't wake up on time. You're late. That's your fault. Parents, maybe you've heard this from your kid. 
I have a bad grade because of my teacher. No, you got a bad grade because you're not doing your homework. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we make a mistake and we blame it on something. You guys, you understand what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? We've done that. We've seen that. We're familiar with that, right? Well, this is where we get it from. So Adam's answering God. God says, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Adam says, <laughs> the man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Bruh. God is talking to you, Adam. Like, yes, yes, the woman handed the fruit to you. Correct. You're right when you say that. 100%. But you chose to eat it. You see what I'm saying? Like, Adam chose to do it. God is talking to Adam. No, it was the woman you gave me. Bro. Adam is finding an excuse for his disobedience, right? Let's see how Eve does. Verse 13. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Again, Eve, he's talking to you. Like, yes. The serpent was deceiving. Yes, he tempted you 100%. We're not going to deny that. But you chose to eat it anyways. That's her decision. Eve was not strong-armed by the devil. She wasn't forced to do nothing. He presented a case, and she chose to accept it. That's on Eve. And again... She's finding an excuse for her disobedience. See, here's the thing about God. God is relational, right? So when he's talking to you, he's talking to you. He cares about your actions. He'll get to everybody else. But when he's talking to you, he's asking, what did you do? Don't let me know about what they did. What did you do? And they didn't want to take the responsibility, right? No, the, the, the woman, oh God, it, you would have made her, like, bro, come on. So, man, it's, it's my hope, really, that you guys can see the story of Adam and Eve. And again, like, let's just, let's be honest. If you can see yourself in their story. Honestly, do you see yourself in their story? Because I do. I do. Disobedient, deflective, self-persevering, selfish, shameful, human. human. We all fall into those categories. Like, see yourself in this story. 
And here's the thing. When God is dealing with them, like we said, God is a man of his word. So there were consequences for their disobedience. And like we talked about earlier in the message, consequences are a good thing. They keep us in line, right? You talk back to your mom, that chancleta will change your life. So there had to be consequences for their disobedience, and that's what happened. God said that they would die. He wasn't lying. They didn't die right there in the moment, but death would become a reality for mankind. It wasn't a part of the original design. He was a man of his word. He didn't lie when he said it. So that now became a reality for man. Mankind was now separated from God. They weren't in the same relationship that they had with him before the sin. And not because, hear me, not because God separated himself from mankind, but because mankind separated themselves from God. And all that he did was honor their choice. That's all he did. He honored mankind's choice to separate themselves from him. Again, death became a reality. And now we have a fallen world, right? I don't have to convince you of that, that we have and live in a fallen, broken world. And what that is, is consequences. Those are consequences. If something is perfect, right? So take like, like, a, like a glass ball. We had a glass ball. And it's perfectly made, round, it's got no cracks, no imperfections. It's perfect, right? But an imperfection enters it, it's no longer perfect, right? That was the world. If I had a glass ball and I dropped it on the floor, there's going to be a crack in it, right? There's going to be some damage. It's going to need repair. But I cannot fix that ball because I'm the one that keeps on dropping it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We cannot fix that glass ball because we are the ones that continue to drop it. If something is perfect then an imperfection comes in, it's no longer perfect. And so this moment in human history looks pretty bleak. Like, Mankind separated themselves from God, were, were, were being disobedient. God honored their choice, said from the very beginning, and here's the thing, God said from the very beginning, look, man, if you do this, there will be consequences, right? Because I'm telling you not to do this. They did it anyways. The consequences are now a reality. Man is now separated from God, and we live in a world where there is pain, hurt, suffering, and all of that because those are consequences of our actions. Where's the hope in that? So what now? Is that, is that the end? Is that how the story goes? No. I told you guys in the beginning, God had a plan. So let's continue. He's now speaking to Satan, Genesis 3, verse 15. He says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Cat, if you'd like, you can make your way on up. So you might have missed it, 
But God just laid out his plan in that one verse. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna look at this. When he says, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel, that he that he's referring to is Jesus. From the very beginning, God is making a plan to send Jesus Because Satan attempted to corrupt God's creation, it guaranteed the future birth of the coming Jesus Christ, the Savior of the entire world. See, Jesus would literally be a descendant from that bloodline. So when he says your offspring and her offspring, he's saying like he will come from that bloodline. And when he says that, you will strike his heel. He's referring to Satan only being able to minimally hurt Jesus, hence the crucifixion. But when he says that you will strike his head, he's referring to Jesus giving a fatal blow to the devil himself, hence the resurrection. You see, Jesus would overcome Satan's plan, and he would bring life to what God originally planned for mankind. Through the life of Jesus, mankind would be able to be forgiven of our sins, because that was the problem. That's why God needed a plan, to be able to restore us back to him, when he didn't even have to. He didn't have to do that. But because he loves us so much, from that first day, he said, I am going to make a plan to restore my creation back to me. Because he's good. Because he's a loving father. And that would play out in the life of Jesus Christ. That's why we remember the birth. It's why we remember the story. God has a plan. And God still has a plan. And it's all possible because of the birth of that baby. It's a birth that happened about 2,000 years ago, and we still remember it today. It's because it changed the world. It's why we remember God. God set forth that plan since the beginning of time. And you can imagine that until this actually happened, until the hope that would be Jesus, the, the opportunity for mankind to be forgiven and redeemed and brought back into relationship with God, you can imagine how tough that time was for these people. They're living in this bleak world, this broken, tragic world, and they're like, when is this happening? God, I, you said you had a plan, but where is it? And here's the thing, God has a plan even when you don't even see it. And that's what was happening. So in the Old Testament, God would speak through prophets. And the prophet Isaiah said this to the people. This is hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. Isaiah 9, 2 and 6, it says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called 
wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, Jesus was born to bring hope to the whole world and bring to life God's plan from the very beginning. Through that life, God would send his one and only son. He would be born as a human, a baby, would live a perfect life and die on our behalf. That's a birth worth remembering. So, so much of Christmas is remembering, you know, what's happened in the past, right? We get nostalgic about Christmases from, you know, before. But we also have this anticipation, right? We look forward to the next Christmas and being able to do some new stuff and get some new gifts and meet some new people. That's what Christmas is. And so in that spirit of nostalgia and anticipation, man, let's pause and remember what God has done for us in days past and look forward to what he's going to do for us in the days coming. Because I realize that Christmas time isn't always easy for everybody. I know that some of us have loved ones who are no longer here. I know that some of us are dealing with financial struggles. Maybe you've lost a job, health issues. Man, the list goes on and on. And maybe you're in this Christmas season and you're saying, this doesn't feel too hopeful. I would encourage you, please, remember what God has done for you. And know that you can look ahead because God has a plan. He always has. He always will. God has a plan. So let this holiday season be a reminder, man, of that. That this is as true as it was in the garden as it is 2,000-something years later, man. God has a plan. He does. Nothing's in vain, I promise you. He has a plan. And so if you're listening to this message and maybe... Maybe you've never really thought about yourself in the way that we just kind of went through Adam and Eve and use it as a mirror to see ourselves and how broken and dysfunctional and selfish we could be. Us, not, not oh, but I'm not like this person. I'm like us. Look at yourself. Again, God's relational. He wants to know about you. What have you done? And so maybe you've never come to that realization like, man, yeah, I, I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm, I'm disobedient to God. I've turned my back on him. I, I don't treat him and respect him and worship him in the way that he would want and deserves. And if you're feeling bad about that, if you're feeling shame, brother, sister, I've been there. I know what Adam and Eve felt. I know that shame of knowing that you are not good enough. Knowing that we are broken, sinful. 
here's the thing. If you're feeling that shame, if you're feeling like, man, am I worth anything? Jesus would answer, yes, you are. He gave his life for you. The way I like to explain it, man, is we had a debt towards God. Our sin was that debt, and we could never pay it back. We could never earn our way back to perfection because, again, like I said, we continue to drop the ball. And so we have this huge debt against God. I like to relate it to, like, like let's say you have a stack of speeding tickets against you, right? And you're in court, and you can't pay them. It's just too much. It's insurmountable. Like, it's, it's, you've got this stack of speeding tickets. And the judge is like, hey, listen, this is a very serious thing. You've got this, fag- this stack of speeding tickets. Something needs to be done. This needs to be reconciled. What are we going to do? Or there's going to be consequences. We're stuck. We can't pay it off. But in a court of law, if an innocent man comes into that courtroom and says, judge, I will pay this man's fine. I will cover his debt. That man is set free. It's legal and just. Where the judge can say, okay, the debt is paid. You're set free. You can go. There's nothing on your record anymore. And that's what Jesus did for our souls. We owed a debt that we could never pay back. And so he was born, lived a perfect life, a sinless life, and didn't boast about it. Didn't say, hey, humans, this is how you do it. No, he used that to say, I'm going to step in and I'm going to pay the fine that you can never do it. So that you can experience the gift of being in relationship with God Almighty. So when you believe in Jesus, it's you realizing and recognizing, I fall short. I make mistakes. I choose to disobey God. Yes, I do. And I believe in Jesus who came down, was crucified on my behalf. And if I put my faith in him, if I believe in what he did, and if I choose to follow him and give him my life, I will be forgiven, set free, and made brand new. You begin a restoration process that comes back to what God originally intended for our lives. And it's not, it's, it's not, it's, what it's not is it's, it doesn't mean that your life's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that you're going to be super rich and have all these great things. That's not what it is at all. On the contrary, struggles will still be here. We still live in the fallen world. But when you put your faith in Jesus and he does something inside of you, what happens is God's Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You have a piece of heaven inside of you. And what happens is you're in this tough world. You're dealing with what it has to give us. But you have a strength that isn't your own. You have, you have an ambassador who's fighting on your behalf. You have a hope that is far greater than anything this earth can provide for you. It's eternity with the Father. That's the gospel. That's what we believe. It's the truth of the world. It will set you free. So if that's you this morning, 
If you're in this place where you're realizing, man, I have not submitted my life to Jesus. I, I have not given him the keys to my life. I have not acknowledged him as Lord over me and my Savior. Man, you can do that right now, right here. It doesn't have to wait. So with all eyes closed and heads bowed, if that's you this morning, I'm going to pray a, a prayer. You can just pray it to yourself. And it, this isn't like a ritual. It's not the words that are going to save you. It's the decision that you're making in your heart. It's, it's letting go of your life and saying, Jesus, have it. It's yours. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if, if that's you, just pray this prayer to yourself. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge what you did for me on the cross. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I am choosing to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. And with, with all heads bowed and, and eyes closed still, if that was you, if you made that decision today, would you please lift your hand just so we can acknowledge? Praise God. Praise God. You may lift, you may lift your head and, and open your eyes. Can we give it up for those who made a decision today? pray with you guys and then we'll we'll get to the last song of worship is that cool lord we thank you for this day god thank you for the birth of jesus god i pray that we would this christmas season god just remember it lord remember what it meant for us remember what it meant for the whole world and help us to understand and know that you have a plan god help us to remember and be grateful for what you've done in the past and help us to be able to be uh, confident God, of what you're going to do in the future, oh God. You're so good. You're so awesome, Lord. We thank you. I pray that we would meditate on these things and take them serious this season, oh God. God, bless these people, Father. I thank you for them, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness. 
Amen, amen. Is that your song today? Is that your song today? He is your living hope. Man, somebody came to church this morning. Somebody showed up here to be reminded that God has a plan. Amen? In spite of what you faced yesterday or this week, God has a plan. And that was the word for us that Mikey shared. And, and uh, it it's, you know, takes us back to the story of creation and, and the tie-in from creation to Christmas and, and how significant that is, you know, that, that uh, I, I think about what uh, he said was, was the, that pivotal verse there in Genesis chapter 3 where it says that the serpent, that, 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 that disconnect between the serpent and man and, and how he will strike your heel but you will crush its head. Like, I've never been bit by a snake, and I never plan to. I, I'm scared of snakes. I don't like snakes. I don't want to be around them. But getting struck on the heel, that's temporary. Like, for the most part, you know, normally there's doctors and there's medicine and anti-venom and everything like that. So getting struck on the heel, it's temporary. But guess what? Getting your head crushed, it's forever. It's all time. It's it's always it's eternal does that make sense so in other words yes there is this moment there's this strike the heel strike that we may face that thing called sin and when we fall into it and we start doing all these crazy things like deflecting and blaming and uh you know pretending like it was everything but our fault sin is striking our heel but guess what jesus when he came in that little cave, in that little stable, in the little town of Bethlehem, he came to crush the heel of the head of that serpent. Amen. Praise be to God. Let's give him praise. Amen. If you made a decision today, we're glad you did. If you made a decision, we're honored and we want to help you take next steps in your walk with Jesus. We want to help you grow. We want you to go to the Next Steps tent. It's the only tent on the property. We want you to go out there and connect with one of our leaders there that will help you find uh, your, your start, getting into that word that you got, the Bible that you got, but also getting into a small group and uh, joining Growth Track and doing all the things that we want to help you do in your next steps. And we're so excited about what God's doing, what God has done at Renew. Um, normally, I don't do the announcement piece, and so I forgot to say to sit down. Should I tell him to sit down? Yeah, go ahead and sit down for a second, because it's going to be another minute, okay? Sorry. <laughs> and while you sit, watch this clip.
the journey on the Christmas Express. How many of you guys are excited about that? Man, I'm excited about it. I am excited about it. It's next weekend, December 18th and 19th. So the service is three times. There's a 6.30 on Saturday night. There's Sunday morning at 9.15 and 10.35. And we want you to come. But we don't only want you to come. We want you to invite. We need you to invite. We've done the work. Like this place will be transformed. There's like this massive train that has been built. It's behind the curtains over here in the breezeway. You can't see it yet. But that thing is magical looking. Like we'll have some snow on the stage. And all kinds of characters from Santa to Cousin Eddie to uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, Charlie Brown and the gang, all kinds of people in this, like a, a huge cast of people in this. So we have done our work. We're still doing some of our rehearsals, but we've done all of this to make this live theatrical production happen, but we need you to do your part. What's your part? Do you know what your part is? To invite, to invite, that's right. So these little banded packs that are on your chairs, we ask you to take them. We ask you to pray over them. We ask you to give them to people. I gave them to several people last night, and I've got more that I'm giving uh, this week. Just people, random people, and also people I've been praying for, people on my five for five. I'm telling people to be here next weekend because it's going to be fun. It's going to be theatrical. It's going to be great, but also there's going to be a gospel message. There's going to be a message that could change someone's life. So I'm asking you, to invite. This is the, the probably between Easter and Christmas. This is, uh, besides Easter, it's the, the, the second largest Sunday of the year. And uh, so we're preparing for that. We'll, we're, that's why we added the service. We'll add some extra chairs. In, in fact, we encourage you, 1035 service, to consider even coming to the early service or the Saturday service to invite some people for that as well. Because a lot of our guests that we've, we've uh, you know, spoken to typically come to this service. This is normally the most popular service for that. So just please, please do that. Share it also on your social media. Use your, your, your connections there through Facebook and Instagram or anything else that you have. Let people know that there's something good, something great for the family, a Christmas program for the family this next week at Renew. Can you do that for me? Please? No. Do I need to like drop to one knee? Like, come on. Can y'all do that for me? Yeah. Thank you. Awkwardness. Awkwardness. I'm, I'm the king of awkward, man. Well, hey, so glad that you're here. Thank you for being a part. If you're a visitor today, there's a connect card on your chair. We want you to fill that out and drop it in the bucket or a box on your way out. Or you can just take it to the table where all the cups are. Those are a gift for you. And we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to help you if you want to take a next step. Knowing about baptism or small groups or anything else, um, we want to help you get involved in the life of the church. Well, before we uh, close in uh, uh, our service today, I want to pray for our offering, our tithes and our offerings. And there's three ways to give to Renew that you can give uh, through the envelope in the seat back in front of you. You can give online by going to renew.miami or you can text the word give to 786-565-1165. God has been so faithful. Um, I can testify personally, even from the series that we preached last month, man, of God's faithfulness to me as I trust him with my finances. I mean, even this week, another, another opportunity to testify. Um, I think these guys usually do what they do to make money, I think. But for whatever reason, he didn't make any money. My mechanic, I took my, my, my wife's car, actually it's my daughter's car to the shop this week, and uh, when we got to time to pay the bill, he said, nope, you're not paying. 
And I'm like, I don't understand. He said, no, you're not paying. You're, you're not paying for that. That, that is the, the faithfulness of our God. Amen? So let me just say, God is good. When you trust him, when you're faithful to God, he is faithful in return. Amen? Let me pray over the offering. God, we just thank you for your faithfulness to us, for all that you give to us. God, we pray that you would bless the giving of your tithes and our offering for the building of your kingdom here and around the world. Thank you that, God, because of the offerings we've received, we've been able to help homeless kids at Southridge High School. And we've been able to, to uh, sponsor and, and support the pregnancy center there in, in uh, Miami, oh God. And we've been able to help a, a, a couple that, that uh, got kicked out of their house and, or is getting kicked out of their house and trying to, to make ends meet, oh God. And helped another lady with some groceries this morning, oh God. Because of the faithfulness of these, your people, God, we can do our part. We thank you for that. God, continue to use us in great ways, we pray. We love you, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, God bless you. See you next week. Go in his peace. You are dismissed.